Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to season one, episode seven of the Small Talk podcast with uh, host and Andy Carol Woolery and Chris Pame here on the Sunday, July 30th, uh, 2023. And we're looking forward to our guest today. And I'm going to bring on our co host uh, and Andy Carol Woolery first, and then we'll introduce our guests. And looking forward to our guest as well. And I want to say thank you to and Andy Carol Woolery for arranging this. Good afternoon, and Andy. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's just uh, this, as we were talking before, how fast the summer is going by. It is very. It's it really is going by very quickly. I, I look at the plants. I look, you know, when I see the fruit, certain fruit is coming into season, or I see the lilies are out, and I'm like, it's too early for lilies. It's too early for for roses, but it's not. I mean, we're we're well past June. We're into July. It's just flying, you know? So, and uh, I see you were out in Vancouver recently. How was yes, that? Yes, I was. Yeah, my daughter and I had a Barbie weekend planned. So we got to see the Barbie movie and we went to a Barbie pop-up event, took pictures, had lots of fun. It was a good flight, you know, good flight out there and all that. Uh, too. You know what? I've had my, uh, I don't want them to sue me. So I can only say nice things about Flair. No, I'm just teasing. I've had mixed results with Flair Airlines that flies out of Kitchener to Vancouver, which is great that it's direct and it's very reasonable. Wow, uh, but sometimes in the past, I've had trouble, um, you know, checking into my flight or trying to buy an additional bag. But you know what? It was pretty smooth. I was able to check in. Um, I did end up buying another bag to come back home. Um, and everything just added, you know, I, I would have to, you know, everything ran very smoothly. And I will say that the staff with, uh, with Flair Airlines, they are really, they're under in, in pressure cooker circumstances, especially when, when you're with an ultra low cost airline, people are going to complain a little more. The staff, very patient, very friendly, very wonderful. Um, so this, this, this experience was a good one. And you didn't have to go to Toronto and fight the traffic to fly. Oh, out. I love that. This is why so, I love flying out of Kitchener. Kitchener. I had no idea. I knew Kitchener had an airport, but I didn't know they went to Vancouver. So uh, what, what other, before we bring our guest on, uh, what other destinations do they go? Um, I believe they go, well, I've, I've gone from Flair to Prince Edward Island. I've gone to okay. Charlottetown. That one was more of an adventure because my flight got canceled coming back. And uh, there were no hotel rooms in Charlottetown. But luckily, my daughter let me stay with her. Uh, she was living in PEI at the time. She, this is this girl. She, I, you know, there's no in between. She's either in PEI or she's in Vancouver. Uh, she's a funny girl. Um, I believe they go to Calgary. And I understand that they've started Florida flights as well. So, yeah. Quite, and from Kitchener. Yep. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to, if I ever go on an airplane, I'll have to look at going I'm, to Kitchener instead of some people I know end up going to Buffalo for flights. So, Oh, that's, I've done that before. I've done Buffalo, uh, Fort Lauderdale before. Yep. Definitely. Okay. Well, let's bring on our guest today for episode seven. Uh, you want to introduce our guest and I will bring her on and Andy. Okay, uh, I, I, or do you want me to do it? I can do it. Uh, her name is Jennifer. You can do it. Go ahead. Okay, just one second. Her name is, we're going to bring it up here. Her name is Jennifer. Just one second. It's just a problem with my graphics here. So, okay, uh, our guest's name, I apologize, is Jennifer Yannick. She's a digital experience design consultant, and she's a local artist out of Kitchener, Ontario. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Jennifer on our show this afternoon. Good afternoon, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's wonderful to see you both today. Hi, Jennifer. Nice to see hey, you. 
we're dry. <laughs> I was going to say, you look different. But then we both look different to one another. We, we usually meet under different circumstances. <laughs> well, I have to say, Anandi, the day I met you, we were at the pool and we were lounging in the hot tub and we were not dry and our hair was not in the best shapes. <laughs> but, uh, we are kindred spirits. We both love the arts. We are both passionate about um enriching everybody else's life through art yes absolutely oh i felt i felt that connection right away it was it was it was a very serendipitous that i met you that that uh that that evening and since then we've, we've met up since then at the gym yeah well i'm going to be relying on jennifer and you and andy uh to get me through the show because i don't know a lot about art but i uh i'm curious to hear what jennifer has to say today yes of course yes all right. Well, we'll get to the first question. Um, Jennifer, how we, we normally do this, um, we rotate between questions between myself and Andy. So um, I'll do the first question and then uh, Andy will do the second and stuff like that. But uh, feel free to talk as much as you like. And uh, one thing I like about our show is the storytelling aspect of it. And can you just tell our audience uh, a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Jennifer Yannick, and um, I come from a background in computer science and math and technology, but I've always had a passion for art. So when I went to university and uh, was studying, I made sure I did all the required courses I needed for computer science and mathematics, got my degree in, in Bachelor of Math in computer science, and almost a fine arts minor as well, because all my supplementary courses were in the arts. So I've been very passionate about arts for a long time. Um, so I've worked in technology for many years because surviving is important and you need a job. And I never really thought about being an artist as a career. So I, I just kept working at the art in my spare time and working in technology during the days. And uh, now getting towards the point where I want to start pulling more of what I really love into my life. And I started pouring myself into art more as COVID lockdown happened. So day after day, I kept learning and painting more and I started doing more watercolor. And I now have a stack of paintings that are literally several feet deep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think it's time to let them go. Uh, I've always been really passionate about sharing my excitement with art with everybody. So uh, the Button Factory Arts Centre in Waterloo, which is our uh, Waterloo Regional Community Arts Centre, is one of my favourite places to be. They offer amazing courses and they are an astounding place for everybody to come and try. You can try any of the techniques. You can use clay, paper, watercolors, sketching, printing, everything you could think of is offered there. But um, funding is always difficult because it's uh, not for profit, of course. So one day I thought to myself, well, I have a lot of art here why don't I have an exhibition at the Button Factory and the proceeds from the sale of the art at the Button Factory can start funding new programs so that people can start doing, so we can host more programs at the Button Factory for people to participate and, and enjoy. So I think my greatest passion has always been telling people about art and encouraging them to express themselves and tell their stories. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I mean, really, when you talk about um, starting off in tech, it's it's a bit unavoidable. I think if you're in Waterloo region, right? Yes. It's 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 your bread and butter. Now, would would you say that the um, both sides give you some satisfaction, both both doing the tech and doing the artwork? Oh, absolutely. Because um, what I love about programming is systems design. So when I think about all the problems that need to be solved, it tumbles in my head and somehow magically the entire system design is in my head and we're able to move forward and build it. So that's always been an exciting creative outlet for me as well. Sitting and writing code for months on end isn't so exciting, but no. uh, helping people solve their problems through technology is really exhilarating. Nice. Before we get to the next question, I just wanted to ask you this, Jennifer, were there any other artists in your family that helped you get in, get into this? Oh, my father was such a talented man. So he loved playing music. He loved um, doing art and his art was lovely. So ever since I was a little kid, he was always teaching me how to do and how to, how to do things, how to draw, how to do watercolors. So I was always busy and always in, enjoying it. My mother was uh, really good at piano. She would run her fingers up and down and it would sound magical. So uh, I believe at three or four years old, I thought I was a jazz fusion pianist. Maybe I was in a past life because I would run my fingers up and down that keyboard and I was so sure it was an amazing improv masterpiece. Um, eventually I taught myself how to play piano properly so I could use both hands and read notes, but there is a chance I played some excellent jazz fusion music in my young days. Probably. Yeah. That's what jazz is about. It's the improv. It's coming from here, right? It's from the soul. And you can imagine what came out of a three-year-old. <laughs> right. That's the one asterisk. Oh yeah. All right. And Andy, you want to ask the next question? Right. So we kind of maybe touched upon this, Jen. Um, and uh, this is something that we made a connection over uh, about where you attended school. And I, th I think that was something we had in common, that uh, we both went to the University of Waterloo and we both have a, a, bachelor of a Bachelor of Mathematics. Mine's in Chartered Accounting and yours is in Computer Science, Excellent. along with, you know, your, your all those courses that could have been a, a fine, the fine arts major, sorry, minor, fine arts minor. So we know where you went to school, but you eventually this led to becoming a digital design consultant. Is that something that happened in school or once you got into the field? I kind of evolved over the years. So when, when you start university, uh, I think I've had a professor say the, the type of jobs that you will do someday don't even exist yet. And there was a lot of wisdom in that because, uh, over the years, as technology changes, you're not just a programmer. So um, I, I went from being a programmer to being a project manager and finally being a business analyst and then product management. So these things kept changing over time. But I think the thing that really changed my life was when I had a, had a gig at the Toronto airport and they were doing their big redesign and they said, look, we need to be on top of our five-year vision of how we will implement digital media technologies. So I was in there and I did the analysis and did the proposal. 
and um, laid out a five-year strategy for how they can use all the emerging technologies that are available to service all their stakeholders. So not only the people that are traveling, but their companions, all the companies that work in and around the airport and the community around the airport. So once we laid out the plan for all the things that could be done to unify and bring it together, we um, it, it started me realize, started me, helped me realize that it's important for you to think about digital technologies that are available and design your solutions so that they all flow and create amazing experiences for the users of the of the technology. So just because your technology can solve a problem doesn't mean that it's a good experience for people. So nowadays they call it user experience design, I think. But um, it, when people say user experience, they think of the layout of the screen. I, when I think about it, I think of the whole ecosystem of how people come in and out of your business, how they use the technology, and where it goes from there. So that's my greatest strength, and that's the type of work I love to do the most. I and think that we, you, take, we take we uh, take digital. Uh, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and how did I get into the tech world? Once again, my visionary wise father said, if you want a job in the future, you need to study computer science. Okay. <laughs> and my dad said, yeah, I think you should do mathematics. That sounds good to me. <laughs> he said it in a quieter way. So I was going to, I was just going to comment that um, we, we kind of take for granted, or I, I guess because it's, um, we live in a digital world. It's hard to imagine uh, where we had solutions before we had these digital tools at our um, at our fin literal fingertips in, in, in a lot of ways. So I guess when you had that job with the with the airport, it was um, was it was it sort of a transition period in 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 I'll call it society the big big S society of of going more from more analog solutions to digital. Um. I think so. It was around 2010 that I was working in that on that specific project. But um, you see it every time there's a new um, modality of, of interacting with people. So I think in the year 2000, well, when we started having smartphones, I think that's when the shift really started to happen. And, and, and going to the air, when I was working at the airport, one of the things that was critical was to make sure that Wi-Fi was readily available and people didn't have to pay to use it because having Wi-Fi readily available for everybody that's carrying a smartphone in their pocket meant that you could find your customers wherever they are in the airport, interact with them and make sure that they can um, do what they need to do when they're at the airport. Right, right. And j just, just as a note, Chris disappeared a little while ago and he's just been messaging me here. Um, and speaking of technology, and I promised you, Jennifer, I said we've never, ever had a technology hiccup, but we'll be okay. So Chris is just messaging me, and he said, power outage. Give me a couple minutes. He's like, I apologize. I'm restarting my modem. So, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> he'll, he'll be back shortly. So usually, you know, we, we wait for the next question to come up, but that's okay. We we, we can definitely uh, keep talking. So I, I actually, one question I thought we would have covered earlier, but we didn't, but that was, uh, we, I like to talk about how 
we have our small talk moments and, and that's how usually we find our guests. It's, it's one small conversation that leads to someone to something else. Right. And I think that's, that's a perfect example of how we met. So yeah, just to be clear. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I, I, that's so funny that you said, yeah, you're dry. Yeah. Jennifer, you're dry. Also <laughs> our clothes are not completely drenched and hanging off of us. <laughs> Yeah, so we, um, so Jennifer and I met at at the gym. So we used to, we used the same gym, we used the same pool. And you had these, um, I, I think what was in what had stood out to me when I saw you going doing your laps, is you had these uh, things that you had on your hands. So just, we have the time, let's talk about it. What what were those? Uh, what were there was? What's that apparatus you were using while you were swimming? They were um, swim fins for your hands so they're just a piece of plastic with the rubber tubes to hold your to your hand they're called synergy and i get them on amazon uh but with those hand fins on they're plastic so they dry immediately i don't have to deal with wet polystyrene um wet material afterwards um but they're also give you resistance. So as you're swimming, you've got extra resistance. And thankfully, during all these COVID lockdown times, I was able to keep my arms relatively strong by by doing the isometric exercises with the swim fins. So I highly recommend the Synergy swim fins to anybody who wants to. They're on, my, they're on my wish list on Amazon. So when they had the prime days, I looked and I looked and they, they never or they never went on sale and something similar never went on sale. So I, I will just have to come out and uh, buy, buy them myself. Um, so, and, and as well, I guess the other uh, other gadget that I saw, I think it was last time I saw you at the gym, uh, you have a, a waterproof um, MP3 player as well. That, that's another Amazon find? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, I can't remember the name, but, but the beauty of the MP3 player is that it's, contained in itself and it's waterproof. I attach it to my goggles and I've got my favorite music blasting in my ears. You can't use a Bluetooth device when you're in the water because Bluetooth doesn't work as soon as you're under the water. So sometimes. Of course, yes, of course. Right, so um, it's a little bit painful to have to load your, your stuff onto your Bluetooth device, but other people have also used their iPods they had little iPods that were waterproof that they could swim with. But this one's far more affordable. It's a nice $40 device that you can use and have yeah, your movie to swim to. Yes, I, haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Again, I was looking at Prime Days and, and it did not come up. But I love music and I love swimming. So that was that's the perfect combo for me. Um, I will just, I'm just pulling up the questions. I mean, we don't, we don't need the prompts there, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and just, um, yeah, just continue the conversation here. Um, so you talked a little bit about being an artist um, when, when, when you were younger, but I, I'm going to go back to your art now. Um, and um, I, when I was chatting with you, I was really, I really admired how you um, are fearless. I don't know if you're fearless, but I felt you were fearless <laughs> in trying different media. So, so tell us a bit more about the media that you use uh, in your in your artistic journey. Oh, it's it's interesting because you come up with ideas, and sometimes watercolor isn't going to do it because it's too flat, it's too too um, difficult to work with sometimes. 
So I've, I've worked in oils, I've worked in acrylics, I've worked in watercolors. I've built 3D sculptures, I did pottery over the years, but then I discovered the beauty of acrylic modeling paste. And all of a sudden I can build up a surface on the canvas and I can break out of that two dimensional boundaries that I'm stuck with. Um, when you're working in virtual reality and augmented reality, you, you get used to loving things that are in 3D and having to flatten things out onto a canvas or worry about mm. your perspective and your shadows to try to create the illusion. It's a bit dreary. So for me, when I discovered I could take this acrylic modeling paste, throw it on, on a board or a canvas and start shaping it into what I wanted, I was just ecstatic. And then you can take images and you can imprint them onto acrylic. So now I can start bringing in multimedia images, pictures, uh, three dimensions, and I'm in heaven now. So I didn't get a lot of work done for the new exhibit, but I do have a few that are in 3D and coming along. Okay, so what's so what's behind you there? Those are works that are in progress, or those finished, or is it, is it ever finished? I don't know. Well, the one the one in blue isn't finished. I have a lot of work to try to get the effect that I'm looking for there, but the inspiration for that painting popped up when I got found this wonderful piece of driftwood. Oh yes. So part of part of this exhibit is looking at how do we disconnecting and connecting it looks at how do we heal ourselves from our isolation we've been disconnected from our friends families for so many years and quite frankly with all the work and things that we had to adapt to the changes in the world that we had to adapt to our nervous systems are fried so how do we soothe our nervous systems how do we get them comfortable again how do we start to um, enjoy each other and feel good again. So I've been getting into this idea of neurographic art. So neurographic art, um, it's a, a very meditative process. Yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. I, I apologize. I've been doing this podcast show of my own show on this show for a long time and over 300 episodes that I've never had uh, the power go out when I was doing a live show. So it was just enough to knock out my internet and I had to reset my modem. So I apologize. Your first time on a podcast show. And oh, it's okay. I, how are you? I think we were able up. to so hold it together. I think we did. Okay. Thank you for your patience. No problem. No problem. I think, I think the newbies yes. kind of held it together here. We did it. We did. Okay. And thankfully, because we have cloud connectivity and because the recording is in the cloud, we were live. I yeah, believe we, we were still we were live. So we were still live. Yeah, I, I trust sometimes, still... sometimes things happen. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. uh, turning and off I, my Wi-Fi. So. I apologize because I made promises on behalf of the technology earlier. So I, I don't apologize for me. This is life and we roll with it and we're, we're, we're doing great. We're doing great. 
So yeah, Chris, we talked a little bit more about um, yeah. Jennifer was just finishing. Uh, we, we, I just asked her about what media she likes, and she, she was talking about um, her media. Uh, the, the particular uh, was it acrylic clay? You said, and we had kind of moved on very organically. Back, we we're talking a bit about your show with the disconnecting, connecting. I liked how you just very naturally moved right. into that. Yeah. Um, right. I do have a question uh, that relates to this to, to the disconnecting, connecting. So clearly, in March of 2020, um, there was a big disruption to our world because of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, and there, that's where disruption and disconnection took place. Um, my question is: Did you experience any kind of disconnection prior to that big event? Um, that made you start thinking of this art show, or was it the pandemic that sort of prompted this? Oh, well, that that is an interesting question. Very good question. Um, you can imagine I have so much love for doing art. When I work on the art, it's very nurturing and soothing to my nervous system. Uh, and it gets me out of my head and allows things to just flow. So... In a way, I, I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed a lot of the technology. I've enjoyed systems designing. I've enjoyed designing programs. But um, when I do the art, that's when I feel most authentic. So years ago, I picked up some pastels and I grabbed a piece of construction paper and I just started rubbing the pastels together to try to get a smooth effect going. And that's when my goddess started to to pop out. So it's this wonderful voluptuous goddess in 3D um, behind me. But um, and then I just kept drawing and drawing her and drawing her. And the more I drew her, the more images would pop into my head. So I went from being disconnected from my creative soul to being connected to whatever divine inspiration was coming through and presenting these images to me. So now I'm finding back in 1998 is when I got the big image of, of the, the main goddess painting that I have that will be at the exhibit. And I have many prints of it available. And it resonated with so many people once I produced it. The image came to me, I, I sketched it down. I was dancing with my dog in the dark to some African music and this image just came from out of nowhere. So I made sure I sketched it and didn't let it go. Thought about it for a while. and. Finally, one day I got up the courage to get out the oil paints and put a canvas on there and work on it. And then, boom, there she was. And throughout the years, since 1998, a few times, more and more of these great images come out. But I find that those images, without words, when I look at those images, I say, oh, my gosh, that's, that's so many elements of me. And it's an expression of this authentic Jennifer deep down inside that I could never express in words. So it's interesting to see how you can use imagery and colors and lines to tell your story. So your stories come through these things. So I think that's when I started connecting to my authentic self back way back then. Right. And that's connecting with the sea. And what, what's the connecting experience for you? Oh, well, that's a really interesting story. So the Microsoft Connect camera is that uh, camera that you use with video games that captures the human body 
and integrates it into the game that you're playing. So you can see yourself in the game, you can move your arms around and you can play with it. So that Microsoft Connect camera enables you to start playing with digital images without having anything attached to your body. And how did I stumble on that, you might wonder. Um, so a night back in whenever I was in university, I saw these people showing how you could dance and have your video image merged into graphics and trigger a MIDI synthesizer so that you can play music. And that company at the time was called Very Vivid. And eventually they renamed themselves to Gesture Tech Technology. So now that, that company specializes in using gestures and movements and image recognition of a human to be able to control technology. And they've got a lot of wonderful projects out. So um, that technology, I was so excited about it. And I was talking to my friends at the university and we decided to create a whole week of events on campus about how art and technology work together. So nowadays they call it STEAM. So how does art yes. help technology and how does technology help art? So um, by the end it was STEM before, because the acronym was STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics, and STEAM introduces the A for exactly. art. Yeah, yeah. So ever since I was in university, I've been trying, people always said, what are you doing taking art courses when you're in, in computer science? I said, well, they're fundamentally interconnected if you think about it. <laughs> so by the end of a 12 hour bus trip to New York City from Waterloo, I had convinced the Creative Arts Board to support a week of events on campus. And I called up the fellows that were creating the gesture tech technology. And it turns out they were graduates of the University of Waterloo. So I said to them, what are the chances you'd like to come down and show off your technology at the University of Ireland? And they said, sure. So Vincent John Vincent and uh, his partner. Person, yes, <laughs> person B. I'm sorry, I forgot his partner. No worries. Vincent John Vincent and his team came down to the University of Ireland. They'd spent the entire day in the campus center showing off their technology. And in this 1987, you can imagine the reaction from people when they saw their images playing music by moving their hands around on, a tech, on, on the screen. So this was blowing people's minds back in 1987. Wow, that's a throwback, Jennifer, wow. So that's how far back my passion goes. And I had events happening across campus, including the Gesture Tech team. And at night they put on a concert because Vincent John Vincent is one of the first virtual reality performers. So he was dancing on the stage with a backup band and you could see in the screen above how his image was merged in with the graphics and he was playing the synthesizer and the bongos and hitting whatever sounds so mm -hmm. that he was literally performing in virtual reality in front of the whole group of students. And, and then they turned it on the, the camera on the students and the students could control whatever graphics and colors were happening on the screen. So this is how far back we went with interactive digital media. Right, Oh, because we think it might be, it might've started with the Wii or something, but it, it was, the, the work was happening and the experimentation was happening like way, way before. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And that kind of is a, a great uh, historical note for the University of Waterloo too, right? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Cool. So, Chris, I know um, I'll, I'll let you jump in. You can you can ask the next question. No problem. I'm enjoying listening, and I'm just kind of crossing my fingers. There's no more uh, uh, power outages tonight. So, <laughs> but uh, I was going to ask you, uh, Jennifer. Do you remember your first painting, and um, where do you get some of your inspiration for some of your work? Wow. Now, are we talking about the first painting that I sold as an adult, or are we talking about my first art pieces as a child? Your first ever art piece as a child. Wow. I don't remember exactly, but one memory, one wonderful memory I have from when I was young is I had to do a watercolor painting in grade school. And my father was teaching me how to do watercolor. So we, it's a fabulous painting, a lovely Scottish country scene. And he helped me draw it. And you can see all the pieces that he demonstrated how to do techniques compared to me trying to replicate his techniques. So it's a painting that included both of our skills and techniques in one. So I'm trying to find that somewhere. Hopefully I can find it somewhere. But uh, that's one of the greatest memories I have of creating art and being taught by my dad. All right, and Andy, um, here's the next question. I, I, I wrote this one up, but if you want to reward it, um, if you want to ask Jennifer. Sure, I, I can. I'm not sure what I'm asking, but let, let's do it. Let's, let's break these eggs. Yep. Can you explain to our audience what an abstract oil creation is? Well, um, oil paint is a medium. So you have your surface, your canvas, and you use oil paint on it. Um, so there's a lot of oil paintings going back through time. I'm sure we're all familiar with the great oil paintings of time. Acrylic painting is a more recent, in, in the era of time, since the beginning of time. Acrylic is more recent because it requires technology to figure out how to make the plastics to be able to do your acrylic painting. But oil is, is what people used, oil and pigment for a long time. Um, so abstract oil creation, um, mostly it's something that's not really seen in the world. So an abstract oil composition is painted with oil paints and the abstraction is taking something, it's mostly lines and shapes that don't really represent anything real. So a lot of my... I was going to say, because traditionally when we think oils, right, uh, to me anyway, I think of like the masters, right? So you think of Rembrandt or, you know, the, the, those who had very uh, fine skills and, and could, uh, could, rend could render very lifelike, let's say, portraits or landscapes using oils. And is that what sort of when you're going to go for that level of accuracy, it's your preference to use oils in those cases? That's my understanding. Or that no, I'm... True. If, if you want, well, yes, if you want that real precision, like if you look at a Vermeer painting, it's like you're looking at a photograph because it's so precisely done. And with oils, you have the ability to do that with the techniques because mostly you're looking very closely at the light. I was going to say the light and the shadow. Yes, yes. Light and shadow and color. Color. So I did an art course. I did a course on color with Amy Ferrari, who's an artist um, around this area. 
And she blew my mind because I finally understood the essence of the power of color. So <clears throat> if you understand color and light, so there's in printing, you have cyan, magenta, and yellow. When you're, when you're working in digital media, you have red, green, blue. So those are two different theories of color mixing and <clears throat> you can choose either one, but the quality of the color is, is very hard to capture. So if you um, are looking at a beautiful scene with trees and water, if you glance at it, you see green and blue, but if you really look closely with an artist's eye, you can start to see the nuances of, oh, this is blue with a bit of red in it. And it's that which allows you to make things really Realistic. to have it realistic and to have that depth as well and and i think too like so then we're talking about more realistic uh oil paintings and then um i'm assuming that let's say someone like van gogh would have worked in oil as well so but now we're not talking realistic anymore we're going more impressionist maybe right oh, yeah. Yes. yeah 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 it fell into the impressionist era but when i was in amsterdam and i walked into the van gogh museum and i looked at his paintings I realized, oh my gosh, he was painting the light. Mm. So you can imagine if you have astigmatism in your eye or something, you see little wavers in the lines and you see ripples and everything. He, and when I looked up close at the paintings, he left bare canvas in between the brush strokes. Can you imagine that you're allowed to leave bare canvas there? And it didn't go out all the way to the edges in some of his pieces. So that um, that was a very big life shift for me as well to realize, whoa, all I need to do is express myself with color and paint light in whatever mm -hmm. ways you see it. Exactly, exactly. And then but going back to the original question of now abstracts, so we're going from realism to impressionism, and there are all other sorts of isms in there as well. Um, but then we, when we're talking about abstract now, it, 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 it's more to evoke a feeling. It's not an actual object, but it's there to more evoke, uh, an, not even an impression, just a feeling almost, because it doesn't represent a real object, like you said. Right. And I, I really think that when people are painting abstract image when we're painting an abstract piece of work i think they're communicating much deeper than a visual image so i i look back at my artwork so when i was uh in grade 13 i'd been hit by a by a car a drunk driver hit me on a tuesday afternoon when i was riding my bike down the street he was passing a sears truck on the right hand side on a small residential street and then it was hit and run. So, you know, I was, I got a fractured skull and got to sleep for three months, I think. But the artwork that I did after that was really different. And at the time I thought, oh, I'm just contriving things. I'm pulling together some symbols here and there and it doesn't really, it's nothing, not saying anything. But when I look back at those images now with the experience of life that I have and I say, holy shit. <laughs> I was really managing to communicate what was going on inside me. I couldn't have said it in words when I was in grade 13. I didn't have the words to talk about these things. 
but you see it in in the symbols and the imagery and the way I painted the pieces. Mm -hmm. If you I'm really look, I'm just going to point something out. You, the way you just described that accident, there was a high level of detail. So, would you say you that you may have a photographic memory? Jennifer, I don't know. This is my non-scientific conclusion. I do. I do have okay. a photographic memory, but those were abstract paintings that I did. So. Yeah, but in a way, but I just thought it was interesting that you, you have a photographic memory. So you do have the ability oh, yes. to remember these things in detail. Um, and you also have, which is great, sort of in, from a technical point of view, and you also have the ability to um, take the, the emotion or the thoughts or the soulfulness of it and express it abstractly as well. You know, yeah. I, I just, I just, I, that, that just amazing to me that you can do that both as an artist. Yes, yes. And a lot of it's subconscious. Like, I don't yeah. really know what I'm doing. So when I first got this image of the coral goddesses dancing in the sea, I didn't know what it meant at the time. Who knows what it means now, but I'm sure there's some, something in it that made that image pop to me. And then I was on my vacation a few weeks ago and I found this piece of driftwood that looks like a ner nervous system. It looks like your nervous system yes. is tangled and connecting. So I put the driftwood with the goddesses in the sea and uh, it's not finished yet. We'll figure out what it'll be when it's finished, but. Did you create, did you create the goddesses here before you found the driftwood? Yes. Amazing, huh? Wow, that, that's a synchronicity. That's absolutely yeah. amazing. And I've also got several other pieces that are about neurographics. So it's all the ebbing and flowing of, of our trying to soothe our nervous system, you know, because a lot of anxiety comes from a frazzled nervous system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jennifer, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, I, I don't know a lot about artwork or whatever, but when you do a painting, especially an oil based painting, how long does it normally take to dry? And what are some oh. of your favorite colors to use? This question it, I just thought of on my own. So it that's that's a problem. I wanted to create a lot of really great things and I had millions of ideas constantly coming at me since I decided to have this exhibition. But it takes weeks to months for these paints to dry, depending on how much wow. oil you use for thinning it. So I had no idea. No idea. Wow. Yeah. It depends how thick you paint, it depends how much oil you use for thinning it. My favorite color has got to be um, the alizarin crimson. It's such a beautiful, rich red. Mm. And then you mix that with some phthalo blue and you get the most vivid purples. So technically my favorite color is purple, but not just any purple. Right. And when you're doing a mixture like that, like you can mix it so that it is a uniform purple, but I suppose there's a way you can mix it that it's not a uniform. So you have the different shades in there and you might still pick some up to pick up some of the blue and you'd still pick up some of the red as well. Right. That's exactly yeah. what I love. I really love. So you just, you get a lot of paint on your brush and you start slapping it around and you grab some other colors and throw it in. That's one of the reasons I love oil painting because it can be so immediate and you can get all those details. With acrylic, that dries very fast. Mm. And, and you have to know what you're going to do, have those colors ready, give it some stuff to slow down the drying process. And if you're lucky, you'll get it to blend just so on, on the canvas. But um, yeah, I, I don't have the patience for that. Before um, we get, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
I was going to say, before we go to our next question, is it okay if I uh, just play that little video clip uh, that you sent me on here? Sure. Okay. And we'll just, uh, it's just a 28 second clip. And if you can just uh, describe it, it just since there's no volume, uh, just a little bit of description. Right. So what I've done here is I've taken all my pieces that needed matting and I've matted them. I have alcohol ink. I've got watercolor mostly there might be some acrylic in here but um they're all matted and ready to go for the sale some of them may be hanging on the wall some of them might be on the cash and carry table that you can buy for uh, a song probably and each one of them comes from a moment in time where i had a splash of vision and pulled it together. You can see the neurographic ones with the tangled lines. Of course, florals, everybody loves them. The blue morph butterfly has really been fascinating me because I've been hanging out at the Butterfly Museum and you're surrounded by butterflies flying around you and most of them were the blue morphs. The, um, the alcohol ink are the ones that look more uh, intense. Uh, for the animals, a lot of the people I know are inspired by dragonflies, so I was doing a lot of dragonflies for a while. Um, the windmill is a image that I took from one of my travels when I was in Holland. Uh, I have so many photographs of places that I've been to where I caught a moment of composition. I said, oh, I've got to paint this one day. So finally I painted it. And... Uh, Lots of stories in each one of those. And there's a stack this high of, of images ready to go to new homes, hopefully. And those are watercolor, right? Most of them are watercolor. Yeah. Oh, then it said alcohol. Alcohol ink. So my latest passion is alcohol ink because this is where disconnecting comes in. You can't control that stuff. Oh. So, so as I mentioned, when you're doing oil paintings, you have to use oil to thin it out. And when you're uh, doing watercolor, of course, you use watercolor. Acrylics, you, if you use too much water to thin out acrylics, it'll break down the bond of the plastics in the acrylics. So you have to use medium. You have to use acrylic medium to, to thin out your paint and make it flow better and stretch it out. Well, with alcohol inks, the only thing you can use is 90, well, I use alcohol. So not the vodka. I guess you could try vodka, but... Okay. The best results come with like the 91 or 99% alcohol, isopropyl alcohol. So the most relaxing thing I can do is pour a bunch of alcohol on a sheet of plastic and start blowing it around with my airbrush or with a straw or with whatever I have available and see what the pigment is doing as it's dancing in the alcohol. So you are disconnected and totally unable to control what those pigments are doing, unless you have a lot of skill. But even then, it's going to do what it's going to do, and, and you're going to enjoy the co-creation process. So it's you, the universal oneness, and the alcohol ink, and you're doing this dance and seeing what comes out of it. That's that's amazing. And I, you know, when you were talking about, um, you know, alcohol and you could use vodka, but you're thinking, oh, that's just probably too expensive. You just use the whatever comes in the bottle. But I thought, you know, you could be the Klimt. You know what I'm talking about? Because Klimt used a lot of uh, gold foil 
in yeah. his in his crazy amounts of gold in his in his in his work, which is maybe oh. not the most cost effective way of doing things, but it's beautiful. It's just it's art for the ages. So you know what? Maybe, maybe this can be your uh, whoever out there if wants to try the alcohol. Try the vodka. You know, you might be the, the klimt of uh, vodka. Vodka. Could be. <laughs> I, I started to use some gold leaf on it as well. So okay, okay. I have an alcohol image where I stuck some fake gold leaf to it. Okay. And then I had a vision of a painting. You know, when you're trying to capture an idea and it's this elusive idea that's just floating around like specks, it's kind of like the fireflies. When you're watching them, you see a little fleck of a firefly little speck of light and then you have to look and try to find more of them mm. so i did this one painting which is debuting at the show and it's called firefly cave and it has gold leaf mm. for the fireflies yeah it's beautiful inspiration all around for sure uh, Kristen, did you want me to do did you want me to do the next question yeah actually yeah yeah no go or ahead was, and then i'll, I'll catch up yeah yeah go ahead. yeah no, okay. go ahead yeah okay okay no worries so we did we did we did touch upon the uh, disconnecting, connecting. I think we talked about connecting, disconnecting, and connecting. I mean, you talked about the uh, the gesture or software at the University of Waterloo. So, well, we've kind of have that background already, but I want to maybe focus on what your show is about because that is the name of your show: disconnecting, connecting. Um, tell us a little bit more about your 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 vision for the show. Um, what were you thinking in its creation, and what you'd like? Um, your 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 admirers the, the people coming to see it what 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 are your hopes for them well um well, like a big system design this is the first time in my life where i had an entire theme for an exhibition pop into my head i've never had a concept for an exhibition like you know you go to galleries and you see these wonderful rooms that are a theme for an exhibition so this is my very first exhibition. And the reason I called it disconnecting, connecting with the KIN is because I'm thinking about what do we need to do to get out of ourselves and get out of being disconnected in order to heal and feel like we're part of the community again. And therefore I wanna emphasize, you've got to take action to get out there and tell your stories and share your stories. So the whole exhibition is like we've gathered around a campfire and we're telling our stories. I've put my stories out there. There's stories behind each one of the each one of the sections of the exhibition. Each image has its own story. But I'm hoping that through this exhibition and the ideas that I'm putting out there and the things that I'm sharing, I'm hoping that people will start speaking up and expressing themselves maybe you can't do it in words grab a piece of clay and make a shape or grab some acrylics and splash down some colors and see what marks even if you take markers and start doing marks on your on, on some papers maybe it'll help you get your message out and i think when like i said with my accident when i was 17 18 i didn't have words to tell my stories. All I all I had were symbols and images, and hopefully people will go home and start doing some doodling at the very least. Right, right. Is there opportunity to? Sorry, is there opportunity to do connect, connecting within the exhibit? As a matter of how is it a challenge that someone will take by, with them? 
Well, I, I was going to have papers and pens and stuff around, but it's an awful lot of organizing. So I, I think I'm shying away from that. Mm. <laughs> However, we will have an installation on the evenings of August 3rd and 5th that uses a Kinect camera and my digital artwork, so my digitized images. And everybody will have a chance to get in there and dance with the paintings. So you get to muff my paintings around. You get to pick what color you want to play with. You get to draw across it and scramble it up and just dance with it if you want to. So yes, you will be dancing and moving and creating using the Kinect camera at the exhibition on, on, on the event nights. Oh, I'm so happy. To, I'm so happy to hear that because I mean the call to action is great, uh, but people I feel have to get their 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 hands um their hands dirty to do it. So um, I actually prefer that over the paper and pencil. That is beautiful. So they don't even have to get their hands dirty. They'll well, need to sure, use the camera sure to take a picture, but but their hands will be clean as a whistle at the end of it all. At the end of it, so, but during you're you're it's immersive, right? So yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're you're part of it. Yeah, nice. Oh, I love that. Jennifer, um, can you just tell our audience a little bit about the Button Factories Arts in Waterloo, uh, okay. where it's located, and if they have a website, and, and again, how can our audience? What's the best way for uh, our audience who's interested in this uh, to attend this event? Well, the Button Factory Arts is in this building called the Button Factory, which was established back in the eighteen hundreds when people actually made buttons in factories <laughs> um, by cutting the shells. They, the, they have a showcase where they show some of the original shells and the pictures of the old factory. Uh, it was given to the Wiley Region Arts Center. The building was um, lent to the Wiley Regional Arts Center in the 80s or 90s. We're, we're coming up on the 30th anniversary, maybe the wow. 40th anniversary of being run as a community arts center. And it runs an amazing set of programs. It, it has, uh, it hi they hire models so that you can have life drawing classes. They, they are the biggest employer of artists in the region because they hire all the artists to teach all the courses in, in the programs. They have wonderful summer, summer camps for kids during the summer. They have rental space upstairs, which now has an elevator. So after many years of not being accessible, Button Factory Arts building is now 100% accessible with a ramp up to the first floor and an elevator from the back corner of the building that'll take you to the main floor and the second floor. And we are able to have everybody without boundaries coming to the, participate and create and use the space. And where is where is this connecting connecting going to be? What what floor? We're on the second floor. Okay, with the uh, new elevator. With the new elevator, people can get to the second floor. So, I will have my art all the way around the, the outside wall, all the way around the walls of the open space on the second floor. You'll be able to get in and see what a great space it is. They often have weddings there. They have performances and shows. My friend Jack Cooper will be performing music on August fifth at the party and the address is 25 Regina Street South in Waterloo. So it's right across from the old train station, right next to the train tracks, 
which makes sense because you have a train station across the street. Uh, the train station is now a Paul Puncher menswear. menswear. Lots of parking across the street from the button factory for free on the evenings. So there was enough parking for everybody. And it was a tough decision because I have no idea how, mu how much food or beverages to, to get. I decided to go without any tickets. So anybody can drop in between seven, between seven and nine on August 3rd and seven and 11 on August 5th. You can drop in, see the show, enjoy some beverages. And I just hope I have enough beverages and food to keep everybody happy. But uh, we'll see where it goes. So no need to worry about tickets. Just come as you are and drop in and see it. I wanted to make it accessible to everybody without any without any or, or technology issues with, do I have my ticket? Do I need to get a ticket? Just is, there, is there a website too people can check out? Yes. Um, Button Factory Arts. Okay. Dot .ca. Dot something, yes. I think it's probably dot .ca, yes. Uh, ButtonFactoryArts.ca has uh, one of the sections is, is exhibitions or events, events. And you'll find that I'm at the top of the list for the events as the next upcoming event. Um, I also have a temporary website up, but the best resource is to check out my Instagram profile. So Janik dot jennifer j-a-n-i-k dot j-e-n-n-i-f-e-r will take you to my instagram where you'll be able to go through history and see all the art and there is a very good chance that if there's anything you like in there it's going to be up for sale and it might be in the very inexpensive cash and carry table so i wanted to make sure that um Having some original art was also accessible. So I'm, I have price ranges from starting at $10 and whatever proceeds from the art sales will go to funding Button Factory. So come and get some original art, take something home with you, whatever resonates with you. If you see something on Instagram, DM me and I'll make sure I hold it for you. Oh, that's so kind. I was on your Instagram. I was checking it out and did you have you have some canine portraits in there too? Am I right? How could I forget the O Hank stories? Yeah, yeah. There will be a corner of the exhibition set up to show artificial intelligence generated watercolor art. So I've been playing with, of course, I've been playing with artificial intelligence art where you give a description and it generates an image. So I've been cool. dancing per se with Dali 2. And this dance between myself and Dali has gone from making mushed up ugly faces of a dog to very good representation of my Chesapeake Bay Retriever, Hank. Hank is a troublemaker. So we didn't mean to get a rescue dog, but it turns out that um, Hank has been through some trauma in his days and, and we have had to do a lot of training and work with him and giving him a lot of love to make him not as reactive and terrified as he was when he arrived. So through a lot of love and patience and training and, and communication, Hank has become a decent citizen in the house, but he broke our television Ooh. and he gets into trouble sometimes. So I'm starting to do a series of stories with uh, AI art because it's much faster. So we're, we're going to have Hank, the adventures of Hank, the Chesapeake Bay Retriever 
reactive dog. <laughs> I I'm so happy to hear the story because I, I wondered, I, I saw that he was featured very heavily in the Instagram and I wondered. I love that story. Thank you. It's something. <laughs> awesome. I love dogs, by the way. And I just got a, um, a portrait of a dog coming. I won from one of those grocery stores. But you oh, know what? Man. Having you having you on tonight has gotten me a little more interested in it. I, By the way, I have no artist skills at all. No musical talent, no art skills. But you know what? Having you on here tonight, um, I might even have to check you uh, coming out there just because, like you said, I, I've learned a lot. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is I'm a big sports fan. Have you ever done any sports draw drawings at all, paintings? Pretty well anything that you have a picture of, I can paint. Okay. So if you, I, I've done several commission portraits for beloved pets. Yeah. Well, not, there'll be some guest portraits on display maybe, of, of the dogs. Maybe. If you oh. really, if you really love something that means a okay. lot to you, I'll do a painting for you. Or even one of me and an Andy for the small. <laughs> there dog you podcast. go. That'll be for season. That'll be our picture for season two. <laughs> there we go. Yes, I'm That's starting to play with portraits, so yes, we can do that. That's amazing. Um, just got one more question, and um, and Andy, do you want to ask, or do you want me to ask? We work well together as a team, so um, I guess this last question, um, basically, what are some fun facts about yourself, Jennifer, and what other hobbies do you like to do as well? Oh, I'm completely immersed in art right now, but I... I love to throw events. So this uh, this event is going to be an example of me throwing a party that people can see and experience new things. So I, I've been doing that all my life. Um, I also love theater. So I, I used to do improv theater. And uh, I made a lot of great friends through the years doing just amateur theater productions. So I just love everything creative one of the one of the things i was involved with was empty space in in uh, kitchener where we did a gary kirkham came up with ideas to do projection mappings and integrating it into the theater production so a lot of the work i did at um I had, I had a job at the university of Waterloo with the canadian center for arts and technology and i would I set up a lab in St. Jacob's called the Felt Lab. And in that lab, we had every possible thing that you could do with um, interactive digital displays. And Gary Kirkham came to the, to the lab and discovered that he could do projection mapping. He could project onto the stage and make that part of the story that was being communicated on the stage. So uh, that's, that's an aspect of theater productions that I really enjoyed as well. Did, did you do improv at the button factory by chance? You did. Yeah. Yes. I've yeah. gone to see a, sh I've gone to see a show and I've done improv for fun, but never for, well, not little, little bits here and there, but not to the extent of how they did it at the button factory. It's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, and the workshops at the, I don't know if they're doing workshops again, but those workshops and the things I learned in the workshops were phenomenally helpful to me when I would go on the road and meet with customers all over the world and they throw things at you from the boardroom table and you'd have to say, yeah, no problem. We can do that. And this is what it'll look like. So thanks to the improv theater workshops. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're amazing. And you also like to do swimming. Don't forget that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love swimming. <laughs> Putting on the tune, diving into the water. 
I, that might be why I have these goddesses in the coral in the ocean. Mm. Mm -hmm. Since you're since you're from Waterloo, what are your summer? What are some of the best restaurants in Waterloo? Oh, I just tried out the Grand Malabar. It's a new Indian restaurant just down the street from me at Urban Amos mm -hmm. in Waterloo. Oh my mm -hmm. God, it was so good. The, the, they have Northern Indian dishes and Southern Indian dishes. So I was trying some of the dishes I'd never had before. It's like usually you do butter chicken, but I tried some of their, one of them was called the son-in-law's treat. My gosh, the flavors of those sauce were like a kaleidoscope experience in your mouth when you're eating it. So if you like, and it wasn't necessarily a hot, it was like different Indian spicing. So not just curry. So if you're looking for a unique Indian experience, I'd highly recommend the Grand Mal. And he said Urban Amos, right? I got to think where that is, but I will figure it out. Oh, yeah. 300, 300 Herb Street West. So it's just before you get to Fisher Hallman on Herb Street. Oh, yes. Before you get to Fisher Hallman. Common on Herb Street and it used to be a quickie mart, it used to be a sushi restaurant. Mm. And halal grocer next to it. All so, right, Jeff. Oh, I know, I know it. I know what happened. I went to get my nails done in that plaza. Yes, and yes. and I came out. I had to I went over to the my my daughter was I was done and my daughter was still getting her nails done. So I went over to the uh, to the quickie mart, as you mentioned it there, because I have it every time I go, I have the deal with the with the with the nail technician that we always buy a joint lottery ticket when I go to see her. So I went oh, over to buy the lottery ticket and I came out and it smelled amazing. And I'm like, why does it smell? And it, I believe it's that same restaurant that of what you're talking about. I know exactly where it is. Well, little known story, the quickie mart often has samosas for sale before the Malabar came along. Okay. And their okay. Most of really good too. All right. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Great. And uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, I want to say uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on today and giving us over an hour of your time and bearing with me in my uh, power outage at home for about 10 minutes and uh, hanging in there with my uh, co-host and Andy. And, and Andy, thank you so much uh, for bringing, getting Jennifer to come on our show as a guest. And I learned some stuff today about art that I didn't know about. And I will try my best to pop by. Uh, what day is it again? August 3rd? Yeah, Thursday, August 3rd from 7 to 11 is the opening reception. And Saturday night next week, it's a long weekend, so hopefully there's people coming into town as well. From 7 to 11 is the party with live music with Jack Cooper and Cash Bar and proceeds from the sales of the art and, 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 the, and the beer will go to the Button Factory. And the so best way... Community, community art. And the best way for people to contact you on social media? I think Instagram is the best, okay. most accessible format. Okay. Yes, and, I, and I, I can vouch for that. Yes, we were able to communicate very freely on on Instagram. Yeah, so. I did. I did put that Twitter on there, but I should have put Instagram. Twitter is now no longer Twitter. It's X. I know. Who can keep track anymore? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Twitter is, yes. Twitter is dead to me. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. So. But, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Instagram 
it's a best. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to put in a plug, like a, like a, another plug, like uh, just for those who are out there listening or watching, um, and you hear this message before August the twelfth, please check out uh, Jennifer's exhibition, Disconnecting Connecting, uh, goes from August third to August twelfth at the Button Factory Arts in uh, Waterloo, and uh, it's also if you can catch the special events on August the third or August the fifth, please uh, please support Jennifer and prepare to be amazed by her artwork. Great. Thank Jennifer, you. Both. Thank you so much. Thank you both so very much. It's our very first podcast. And uh, it's been a wonderful time and great getting to know you as well. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And uh, just give me a little bit of time after my dinner and I will definitely send you a video and audio copies of the show as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You have a great evening. And again, thank you for coming on uh, episode seven of the Small Talk podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. Uh, I want to say wow, thank you. That was that was amazing because I, I I I've just met Jennifer and, and she and I, have, and I have had a bit some chats for maybe twice and I've learned yeah. so much about her. She she is just so confident um, and self aware of her art. I mean, I learned so much. Absolutely. And uh, I want to say thank you for carrying on without me. I've never had that happen before. So obviously, StreamYard, I guess StreamYard, I guess. I know. And it's so funny because she was nervous. StreamYard didn't kick you guys off at all. No, we were good. We just kept going. You disappeared. And yeah, we just we just kept going. Um, and it was so funny because she was a little nervous about this being her first awesome. podcast. And she wanted to do a test run. And we're like, no, it's okay. Yeah. We have never, ever yeah. had any technical difficulties. No. I know. No, no And then just, this one time. Just, uh, but the yeah, show, the show just... must go on. And it did. And it was an awesome yeah. conversation. Well, and you learn that too in TV and radio. Sometimes things happen as well. Hey, before I let you go in, Andy, I mm -hmm. wanted to talk to you about this uh, uh, one person in radio, uh, Lisa Drew. Did you ever have any dealings with Lisa Drew? I do not, but she is, has she retired? Lisa Drew has yes. retired? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. After 33 years. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I did see the, I'm on, I'm on uh, Chime's uh, mailing list. So I did see that announcement come out. So yeah, congratulations. I mean, all the best to Lisa Drew on her long career. I think her, yeah, she had her last, cause she had her last broadcast or reading Friday. on 570 News Friday. Yeah, on Friday and yeah. oh, just all the best to her and that uh, happy retirement. Although we, we, we media people, we never really retire, do we? <laughs> Well, for me, I'm just starting a new career, a new life at 51. So um, like you said, for me, I want to work as long as I can in radio and media, as long as my body and mind will allow me. And uh, I, I just got approved for an NFL media pass. So this year I'll be able to go to NFL games and cover the games and interview coaches and players. And I'm really excited about this opportunity. And uh, I just, I'm really appreciative of all the opportunities I have and uh, everybody's been so great. And I just love doing my podcast shows and I like doing this podcast show with you as well. This is our seventh episode, by the way. Episode seven in the can. Yes. And uh, I have, uh, episode eight guest already booked, um, tentative, tentatively scheduled for Sunday, August 27th, based on your schedule and my schedule. 
My guest said uh, August 27th is a Sunday. Uh, it's just a matter of hopefully we'll cross our fingers with your schedule. And I should be okay that day. And and her name is Sheena Merling. Uh, okay. She has a healing community-based uh, camp in Kitchener-Waterloo. Right now she's uh, doing a, a daily uh, youth camp for kids in Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge that aren't so uh, as lucky. And uh, the Kitchener Waterloo Titans are partner partner up with her, so it's it's really great. Dave Schneider was there the other day, uh, the longtime radio personality from Kitchener and uh, the Kitchener Rangers PA guy. And uh, I helped out a couple of days with the kids. I had fun with the kids, but then I was in bed by ten o'clock at night because I forgot how much kids, young kids, have so much energy. And they this do. old guy, this old guy, actually enjoyed it and actually had good night's sleep. So uh, I, I really think Sheena would make a great guest and talk about her camp and some of her work that she does around Kitchener Waterloo. And she that's amazing. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think we've had Facebook, a book by the way. Yes. Okay. I will, we will look her up. Um, yeah. I don't think we've had a guest yet that has talked about uh, working with uh, children in the community. So this will be a nice, uh, yeah. um, a nice change of pace and some new learning. Well, for me anyway. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe one day when I'm at the camp, maybe you'll be, maybe you'll be able to pop by and see what mm -hmm. it's about. Cause I think, I think what the Kitchener Waterloo Titans is doing is great. And, and what Sheena is doing. And uh, I'm glad to be a volunteer with this. Uh, yes. I, I saw your post and I also follow yeah. the KW Titans. Uh, what, um, oh, I've forgotten their last names, but Dave, I call them the negotiator. The, the new owners <laughs> for the Titans. Um, I've had the pleasure of chatting with them and um David what they're what they're trying to do for this community i mean it's obviously they're investors so they obviously do have to make this yep. financially viable yep. uh but uh the the initiatives that they have in the community whether it's a game night or um you know, like summers and weekends uh uh i wish i remembered the wife's name like oh anyway it's it's a tip of my tongue anyway kate. kate that's right david and kate and what's the last name Schoolies. schoolies schoolies the schoolies yeah the schoolies are are, are amazing um and and i'm really um yeah i'm i'm really happy for what they're doing with the community all right well i'm i'm hoping one day to have david and kate come on our show as well so well fingers crossed but definitely sunday august 27th um to be determined hopefully we can get that going on sunday august 27th that'll be episode eight with sheena uh merling and uh, I think she'll make a great guest and uh, I think it'll be a really good show. And, uh, and Andy, uh, final thoughts before I wrap up episode seven today. Um, final thoughts for me is it's been a, it's been a great summer. We've had wonderful guests. I'm so happy for you, Chris, that your uh, media uh, media pursuits have been taking off and paying dividends for you. Um, and I'm having kind of a similar su summer creatively. So those are my final thoughts. And uh, so happy to see that my new friend, Jennifer, um, her, her, her pursuits are coming um, into the light and into fruition. So that, those are my final thoughts. It's, it's, it's a great time for abundance. And I want to say thank you. We want to say thank you to Jennifer for coming on here again today. And uh, yeah, it was a really good show. And um, and Andy, just give me a little bit of time tonight and I will send you a copy of this uh, podcast as well. Okay, of course. Thank you for so much for all your technical expertise in setting these things up. Well, have, have a good evening, Chris. You too, Andy and Andy. And again, you can email the show at smalltalkpodcast50 at gmail.com as well. Have a great evening, and Andy, and we'll talk to you soon, and thanks for coming on tonight. Bye. Bye.
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed Season 1, Episode 7 tonight here on the Sunday, July 30th with my co-host and Andy, Carol Woolery, and our guest, Jennifer Yannick. And uh, I, I learned a lot tonight about uh, her artwork, and uh, I hope you guys can go check her out again um, coming up uh, August, I think August 3rd and stuff like that. But, uh, guys, I will post, uh, I will post the... Uh, audio and the video version of this episode today and uh again thank you to jennifer for coming on and and andy carol woolery for being my co-host and for arranging this guest as well i hope everybody has a great night and uh i will have uh, another small talk podcast show coming up tentatively scheduled fingers crossed on sunday august 27th episode 8 with our guest sheena merling she's uh does some work uh for natives in healing and community-based and right now she's got a summer camp going on in kitchener on queen street in a little church there partnered by the kitchener waterloo titans and i think what she's doing is great as well so i think that's about it uh jennifer yannick thank you so much for coming on and andy carol willery the one hour flew by and uh guys thank you for putting up with me as well uh during my technical glitch where i had a power outage as well so i hope everybody has a great evening and we'll see you guys uh next month for season one episode eight of the small talk podcast show by the way anybody out there watching or listening uh, would that is interested in sponsoring our show uh, please contact and Andy or myself if you're interested in your local business in coming aboard our show as a, a sponsor as well thank you so much everybody for uh, watching and listening to the small talk podcast live streamed on Facebook uh, the small talk Facebook page LinkedIn YouTube Twitch and Twitter and also on my 14 or 14 audio platforms such as Apple Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, LinkedIn, Radio Public, etc. That's about it. Have a great evening, everybody. And again, thank you for watching and listening to the Small Talk Podcast.